This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagaan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Welcome to another episode of Hafta from extremely dismal grizzly Delhi which has seen horrible violence in the last few days. We shall discuss that in detail. But before that I just want to introduce my panel. Uh we have Raman Kripal. Hello. Mehraj. Hello. Manisha Pandey. Hi. And joining us as a guest today on the phone line is Neha Dikshit. Many of you who have been listening to Hafta have heard her before on our podcast and you have read her reports. She is a fantastic reporter who has worked on the ground and also luckily is educating young students in journalism at Ashoka University. Hi Neha. Hi. happy to join us uh so before we go over the headlines i just have a couple of quick announcements you know we've been doing a lot of reports in fact uh, so we have we'll have about 8 or 10 reports from delhi on the violence in yes. the last few we weeks. already uh, we already have about 5 uh, 6 so 9 more to go 9 more to go so uh, now because we don't want to limit our coverage only to delhi and wait for a riot for there to be ground reports we have a nlsena project that is active right now it is on chatisgarh adivasi prisoners in uh, india's bloody war against the maoist chatisgarh has been ravaged uh, its adivasi community has borne a huge huge brunt of the state violence thousands of adivasis have been swept up in the crackdowns by security forces and are languishing in jail we will be sending our reporter prateek there he will spend 2 to 3 weeks traveling in chatisgarh and then filing a ground report we have a target of 190000 we request you to subscribe and get on to the nl sena project please contribute nl sena because without ground reports news will die all you'll hear is opinion so pay to keep news free go to newslaundry.com and either subscribe or pay indirectly for the story to our nl sena project so manisha what do we have in headlines um delhi violence was dominated the headlines the death toll in delhi has risen to about 34 people it's going to increase there's been uh, what sparked it off was kapil mishra's speech in northeast delhi after which there were communal riots between both muslims and hindus first earlier dubbed as pro ca anti ca but it quickly turned into it's out muslims versus muslim. hindu there's yeah. no ca now uh, the supreme court said that lives could have been saved had the delhi police acted on time and there've been a lot of disturbing visuals that have come out of delhi police assisting rioters at certain okay on certain occasions there was shoot at sight order also in some areas uh, there's an intelligence bureau employee who was killed his body was found in rain yesterday in chandbag area and there are many theories of what all where all violence happened we will discuss i guess each story in detail as we discuss the delhi violence and we have people reporting on the ground including neha you also went on the ground yeah i spent uh, the whole day yesterday at the lmjp hospital with the people who were attacked and injured and some of the people family members of the people who have been killed and most of them were from mustafabad so the kind of uh, apart from the usual things that we hear in a violence or a communal riot situation like this there were some new kinds of attacks also and apart from this uh, confirmation yesterday that came where this dead body was found of an ib officer in a dream lots of people are claiming that many of their relatives are missing and some dead bodies have also been of people living in those neighborhoods were also dumped there and still no identification has been made because the investigating officers are too busy and which is why they can't even come to the hospital to get the post mortem 
started. So, which is why lots of people are waiting to get the dead bodies of the family members since uh, day before. But because the so postmortem hasn't happened, clearly the the toll will go up significantly uh, since that's the yes, stuff on the, the ground. Yes, in the days to come. Then, uh, the what? Delhi High Court judge uh, S. Mulidharan really took on the centre yesterday and he's been transferred swiftly overnight. Yeah, That's in fact the notification that, yeah. came this morning or maybe last night and the judge who, uh, we will discuss that story also in a little more detail, uh, it's rather alarming. The brazenness with which the state is carrying out whatever their project is. Uh, what also coincided with the Delhi violence was Donald Trump, the President of the United States, visit mm. and his and uh, Modi's Bonhomie and his visit to Gujarat and then Delhi and the Taj. And then they went back. And in fact, that was getting wall-to-wall live coverage on our television screens while Delhi was burning. Truly a, a moment of shame for broadcast news. Then uh, Jamia, the court, has uh, sought a police probe into the Jamia attack case and Shaheen Bagh, SC, is to hear a petition seeking the safety of the protesters there. And that is going to be, that is scheduled for today. Then Kashmir, students attended school for the first time in seven months. Schools have finally opened. There were some wonderful photographs from there of young children going to school. And the Supreme Court Bar Association has condemned Justice Mishra's open praise to the PM, in case you're wondering what I'm talking about. Justice Mishra, who is a Supreme Court judge, had heaped praise in a speech on Prime Minister Modi, saying that he is a visionary with international what international visionary with national international appeal or execution something. or something. It was as if he was talking about an emperor rather than a prime minister. Yes, and a versatile hot, genius. Versatile genius. That's right. <laughs> and Hotstar has not uploaded the last week tonight with John Oliver because I think that's stunning. Uh, it's amazing. John Oliver has taken Mr. Modi and the central government to the cleaners and Hotstar has not uploaded it. So much for our media platforms. Mm. And meanwhile, in other very disturbing news, this coronavirus apparently is all set to be a pandemic. In case you're wondering what a pandemic is, there's an interesting podcast on NPR and Time magazine also has an article. The World Health Organization won't categorize anything as a pandemic because they can't do anything about it. So they've actually stated that. So therefore, we will not categorize it as a pandemic, although it may be a pandemic. So that probably, they're saying it'll peak at the end of March. Then Harvey Weinstein has found, been found guilty of rape and he's been sent to prison. And Bihar Assembly has unanimously passed a resolution to not implement NRC. So I don't know what that means, what Nitish is playing footsie with this government and then kicking them and then playing footsie again. Kind of confusing. We have an article up by Anand about this. He explains what this is all about. Okay. It's related. Basically, the crux is that Bihar elections are coming. Right. So he is playing both sides. He has to consolidate his vote. Yeah, and he has to keep the BJP on edge because he wants more seats from them when the seat sharing agreement happens. So, um, yeah, on that note, just would like to remind you that no matter what platform you listen to this podcast on, newslaundry.com is a website where we have articles, we have videos, we have podcasts. Do visit newslaundry.com and see what we do. If you like it, please support independent media and pay to keep news free because we don't take advertising because we believe when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers are served. So do support News Laundry and do give us a high rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on because that makes it easier for others to find us and the more people who find us will likely subscribe. Before I move on, I would just once again like to appeal to all our listeners to consider contributing to our new NL Sena project. It is on Chhattisgarh's Adivasi prisoners, the crackdown on the Maoists in many parts of Chhattisgarh. 
has led to a mopping up of adivasi communities there and people from those communities being in prison um as collateral damage i think the story that needs to be done it will cost us one like 90000 for pratik to go spend 2 to 3 weeks there and then report so the whole thing can take up to a month so do consider subscribing also we have a city and country specific subscribers group like you know we have a us subscriber group we have a delhi subscriber group we have bangalore subscriber group so we are creating subscriber whatsapp groups across uh, you know city specific subscriber groups why we're doing this is uh, it'll make it easier for us to organize events because like i said going forward we want to have events at least once a quarter and going forward maybe once every other month in different parts of the country so, you know bangalore kolkata and and uh, whichever other cities we have significant amount of subscribers so you can mail us your number at contact@newslawney.com i repeat contact@newslawney.com with your city and your country name and uh, you can also fill out the google form the link is there in your weekly newsletters all our subscribers get weekly newsletters so there's a link to the google form if you fill that form and you want to be added to those groups uh, we'll add you what it does is a it keeps you informed of when there are events and from our experience of our us group that group also remains in touch and organizes little things themselves uh, you know if because they like minded people who like to discuss politics and news so we'll be doing that so let's start with neha uh, neha you were saying that there was something unique about this i mean all the conversations you had in the hospital which were atypical in this riot what exactly was that what do you mean by that i mean and that there were uh, first of all uh, i mean i've covered violence in various areas before but this is the first time i've seen so many such large number of casualties because of an acid like substance that was used in the violence in delhi three four days back so there are at least i met at least six people who had and so which is why because that's the other part that because the hospital uh, people are not available to check what it is so it, it basically lots of people have their faces and eyes damaged because of an i'm using acid like because there's no confirmation acid like substance thrown on their faces which is why at least six people i met yesterday have lost their eyes apart from the other damage that has happened to their face and to their other body parts so this is something which was i think used in a like a large numbers because other people also one guy uh, who was shot point blank dead day before by again uh, the family members claim that it he was shot dead by a police officer he also had acid injuries on his body so this has been used in a, at a large number and because the because even the hospital and the government hospital this was lnjp hospital the doctors are not used to seeing this kind of injury in a communal riot situation which is why they are not able to understand whether which department should they be referred to so that is one part the other part which is again very important is that unlike um, this is again uh, the time when uh, this riot happened in the city so in the city and this is an area which is by the way which borders both haryana and uttar pradesh so loni in ghaziabad which is a huge uh, which has a huge muslim settlement and similarly uh, on uh, in, uh, on the border of haryana and there are lots of small industrial units in this part of north delhi which is why it invites a large number of migrants from various parts 
of the country, especially in North India, from Bihar and from UP. So most of the people, of, again, uh, are who are affected are working class Muslims working in those industrial units. So which is why people who have been affected, not just their homes have been uh, set to fire or destroyed, but also at the same time, those industrial units in those areas, the smaller ones, have been set ablaze or destroyed. And which is why it has led to a lot of people who yesterday I saw, there were at least 40 families who had come to LMGP. A lot of them were discharged and now they're going back to their hometowns. So it comes like full circle. So uh, acid attack, again, uh, lots of, acid attack victims were just given painkillers at the hospital and they were discharged. Okay, Manisha, if you could come in, you've been uh, overseeing a lot of the, also maybe you, mm. I mean, take a pick. Why Northeast Delhi? What I'm trying to understand is that Delhi is huge. It's, I think, maybe a couple of times the size at least of Bombay, if not more, probably more. Why Northeast Delhi? That is where Kapil Mishra made that, mm. that th- th- this this particular speech. And apparently he hasn't booked on this because no one in the police force has heard this speech although the DCP was standing right next to him when I said that. I think it's a disgrace. But why this area you think? This is also the area where Amit Shah made that speech about Aisa vote karo ki Shaheen Bagh mein current lagega. So there is a lot of ghettoization of Muslims. A lot of Muslim pockets there and a lot of uh, Hindus also living there. So it's anyway. And then again, there are, uh, you know, issues of unemployment there. I think there's a lot of youth from both sides that is unemployed. Not very great uh, education sort of uh, So this levels. area doesn't have any pocket of affluence like the rest no, of Delhi does? Like, no, like, it does you not. Know, no, it is not. West Delhi has um, pockets of affluence. No, this, no. Punjabi Bagh has, south of course, has in the middle of some. So this has no pocket of affluence. No. It's entirely poor. In fact, Mustafabad is entirely mostly recyclers. Okay. Uh, either e-waste or you know uh, doing other kind of recycling work the unorg- unorganized sector so it's really really poor people it's not a affluent place at all this place is uh, mostly inhabited by migrants okay mostly the migrants and you have uh, pockets of muslim area so if you see the violence as it has happened where the muslims are lesser in number they have uh, you know faced the wrath of these writers, wherever there are, uh, you know, dominant Muslim pockets, mm. the retaliation has happened. Right. So okay. there are Hindu casualties yeah. there. So the and mostly the migrants, mostly as uh, Neha said, uh, most most of them are working in the uh, factories, mm. uh, industrial units, and uh, they are uh, rickshaw wallers. They are uh, e-waste. Uh, right. You know, mm. So, so what there is, is what what stands out uh, for you, Manisha, in a the coverage of this? I haven't been able to watch what our usual hate mongers are saying. I, I, I'm curious to know how they would defend this, the, hmm. the Jai Shri Ram slogans and the obvious weaponization of militant Hindutva. I think one of the most things that struck me, actually, I mean, apart from the coverage, was that how many journalists came under attack while reporting on the riots. You've had more than a dozen journalists from various news organizations, Times Now, Republic, Times of India, Hindustan Times, all of them talking about how they were attacked by mobs. And I think this is where now it's time to stop uh, the false balance of saying that, you know, oh, there are hostile crowds on both sides. Because we've seen that against the anti-CEA protests, journalists were heckled. There were slogans shouted at them. There were 
told go the media go back or stuff like that or they were aggressively told to stop shooting but here you've had a mob that's caught on to journalists that said we'll pull down your pants and check whether you're a hindu or muslim that have shot one guy from jk24 has been shot hmm. and he's currently in, in the hospital getting uh, treatment but the guy at NDTV the kind had of violence the kind of violence that journalists have had to face and all of i mean i have not heard of an account yet from the other side where a journalist was stopped and said you chant allah akbar or you no this you know, reminds me it's been of no, all I think hindu uh, mobs that have gone after journalists no, this, from this across reminds organizations me of 1992 hmm. in ayodhya where when the action happened so just before the action they started attacking the media media right the and there's media that very, was very the first that short news yes. track of this we were at the top this of the room guy bleeding and he's being yes. dragged out yes. yeah all media they so similarly i mean here also the media was attacked they were not allowed to walk no but in this case i'd like to point out this uh, jk24 Mm. He said that a shooting shooting apparently came, came from, from within the NDCA. an NDCA yeah. protest. So, so I think we should NDCA make that clear. Yeah, okay. I mean by his account, he it was came walking towards. Yeah. I mean, one doesn't know. He I know. Says I, mean, I don't know what happened. Yes, yes. So, but I mean, we should clarify that. He said there was an NDCA protest in the vicinity of where yeah. he was shot. Yes. So exactly. basically, what he no, what he said was that uh, there was the pro CA guys. I went there. I started reporting. I started videographing, and then I was moving towards the NDCA guys, and a bullet came, and I don't know what happened next. Yeah. So there's no clarity on what, but what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that, you know, holding on to journalists, ask them to chant, uh, you know, Jai Shri Ram, or ask them to chant Hanuman Chalisa, or checking the ID and saying, okay, Hindu, mm-hmm. oh, bach gaye, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know. I think, apart from that, one person, know. it's completely on that side. Like every yeah. journalist has been targeted, abused, harassed, beaten up. It's from this side. And so, while I mean, we chanted Jai Shri Ram in 1992. So. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's what Ranjit mm-hmm. Jyoti Tilak mm-hmm. laga ki should uh-huh. go report. But I think one of the things. Uh, a lot of people are calling it a program i would not call it a program i think it's a communal violence between two sides and we in all such situations one doesn't know who threw the first stone so there's obviously never going to be clarity whether hmm. the muslims threw the first stone or the hindus threw the first stone but what is very clear is kapil mishra's that it sparked his presence sparked it whatever he said is immediately after that violence broke out so it's really amazing that and no journalist has questioned him hmm. that journalists are still going on talking about shaheen bag sharjil imam speech that guy was slapped for sedition for a ridiculous speech of whatever breaking india or doing chakka jam here's a guy who came gave a speech and there's immediate violence, violence and f- i think the death toll will reach at least 40 people hmm. or kapil mishra is the immediate trigger hmm. but uh, you know the state state uh, sponsoring uh, you know communal activities it has been happening since 2014 i will say i mean even a small thing like prime minister uh, narendra modi he got just one artist kerala artist who made that hanuman mm. uh, so yeah. so so if you go to the hills go to certain areas you have hanuman sena now mm. so the hanuman sena sena is one the drivers who put uh, you know picture That's of hanuman, hanuman picture. so this is one small thing so how the build up has happened over the while. years mm. and kapil mishra is uh, because uh, he's the last idiot who's because hundred used as the fuse 150 odd at 150 odd places the protest is going on all over india so i mean uh, the polarization uh, i mean i'll come to the polarization, the polarization i you know i was just uh, the three things that hit me most in this is a the delhi police uh, i've never been a fan Absolutely. of the police uh, i've always had contempt for the police and i'm thrilled to see it's also worrying but i'm happy to see that the contempt that i had for the police force for years 
now regular people who are not as privileged as me have i'm talking about drivers panwala jano who have no hesitation telling a cop to fuck off because mm-hmm. the disrespect that they have and this i think will outlast the modis and shahs and the jackasses in khaki who are kissing the asses of their political masters and doing what is told to them they have basically shot themselves in the foot yes unki pehle they must they may have been corrupt chutias even earlier but now they are corrupt chutias who are not feared mm. so you see they they even the fear is gone and i think that is that is wonderful i'm i'm very happy about that i just hope the cops are treated the way they should be with the contempt they deserve uh, seeing the kind of activity they the breaking cctv cameras they are telling mobs to pick up rocks i i really the, think the viral video camera. of those boys being asked to sing, to sing yeah. and that was i yeah. honestly yeah. thought that's fake acchi tarah ga i couldn't believe so i know the cops true. is one how the court the judge has been transferred is yes. one and him asking the the solicitor general or whoever tushar mehta tushar mehta that why hasn't any action been taken or fair been lodged against the bjp mm. that's it we haven't seen the speech can you imagine no. i mean this is like a hindi film you know where there is no witness for yes. anything and the cops just no, the get away with is, it i mean if you go back you see the reports you see the books on communal violence that's happened since 47 and all every single vi- if you just take a bunch of reports of different uh, carnages and just take out the names of the places where it happened you can't tell one from the other it's everywhere it's the police has sided with the writers the judiciary has been stacked against the take, talk about bagalpur talk about uh, gujarat the judiciary has been stacked against the victims everywhere the only thing different now is that all this has been recorded on camera in real time so that just shows the the horror that is that you read in the reports now it's there for everybody to see and this the one thing different with these people in paris that they just don't pretend anymore earlier they would at least pretend okay we'll take the cases out the of the, out yeah. of out of that state give it to maharashtra wherever now it's just okay this guy says something about us this is one good judge check him out yeah another thing uh, the circumstantial evidences so far are strongly indicating that the people who orchestrated the entire thing they came from the border area mm, lot of them because, because so they are from delhi no They, okay. see i tell you Why, even what even, is the even, evidence even the around hindus that? living there the migrants they are small workers they are struggling f- to you know live for the day so so uh, if you look at the population you know in that particular area so i don't think that i think the evidence uh, and uh, is and the loni is just next haryana border and this ghaziabad is so close by so i think uh, it was orchestrated so one of the uh, can i just come yeah, yeah, in there sure sure yeah. so uh, i kind i agree with raman because raman yesterday when i was speaking to all the family members who were there at the uh, hospital they also said the same thing that most of the, these people because this is border area and because for for example let's just go back so for example loni is one of the areas that has been highly criminalized it's in up and it's there have been lots of these gauraksha groups that that were active in the last 3 4 years in this area and similarly in soni 
if you remember that the Haryana government gave licenses to all these Gaurakshaks and Sonipat had that main office from the uh, Haryana police monitoring all these people who were license holders. So these areas have been polarized for a long time and they have very organized groups doing that. And the people yesterday who were affected by the violence, they did say the same thing, that people from outside who were never seen in the neighborhood before had come in and which is why when this mosque was destroyed and damaged in Mustafabad, for the, the person who's in that, that video that has gone viral, where this video, uh, this person has climbed up the minar and is breaking uh, stuff on the right. mosque, was also from outside. So this has been corroborated by several family members from Babarpur, from Mustafabad, from Jafrabad. They also have to have the, they also, they're also saying the same thing. Uh, mm -hmm. One question I had, Neha, after that, Manisha, please come in and, uh, you know, you can weigh in on the issue that I'm raising. And you were on the ground. Now, I spoke mm -hmm. to some people, not reporters, but uh, mm. others who have, you know, who are on the ground. Uh, and s at least one of them said that this has actually worked to polarize Delhi. I am not convinced because at least the people mm. I meet, or I don't know whether we live in our own cocoons, including the help in a house to the Panwala mm. here, you know, I go ask him. I mean, everyone I speak to is pretty convinced that this is, he said this has been orchestrated by the BJP and we are not going to allow... Uh, this kind of a polarization to happen. We have no, you know, Jai Shri Ram weaponization kind of uh, aspirations. But uh, the person I'm talking about is uh, pretty confidently told me that this has worked. What have you, I mean, do you have any view on this? Have you got so, anything? Uh, so I've been going to North uh, Delhi for the last three, four years covering it regarding a book that I'm working on. And this, uh, these small incidents of polarization have been there for the last four, five years. For example, like uh, I remember in the last three, four years, at least there have been three incidents in major parks where these RSR shakas are conducted in Karawal Nagar, I know, and in Shahadra again, I know, where these RSS uh, shakas are conducted and then some boy will be accused of some man, young man will be accused of love jihad and beaten up. I remember it happened in uh, three years back when this guy was uh, a Muslim boy was accused of love jihad and the Gujars who were part of the Gujar community that was part of the RSS shaka beat him up and inserted a bulb in his private parts and all of that happened. So there have been these small incidents which are obviously not reported in the mainstream media but they've been happening at frequent intervals. Similarly, when uh, recently this Gaurakshak and uh, mob lynchings happened, if you remember, there were two cases at least from Shadara in 2017 or 2018 where again large uh, mobs had come in and beaten up this guy, uh, a 19-year-old uh, guy, and he died eventually. So these cases, these small incidents have been happening for a long time and which is why even the working class in these uh, areas, which are so-called quote-unquote factories, but they're actually just unorganized working situations where both women and men work, they have been heavily polarized. There has also been a lot of polarization between the Dalits and the Muslims in these areas in the last three, four years. So this has eventually culminated in when uh, Kapil Mishra, who was the Karawal Nagar uh, MLA before in the previous assembly election, he has worked at this and which has led to this kind of polarization and culminated in this kind of volatile situation and violence. The other thing that I also wanted to add was that apart from the men, we, uh, all the things that we are hearing about men being injured, we still don't know how many women are injured. So none of the hospitals, whether it's a, it's a GTB or whether it's LNJP. Why is that? If, uh, uh, men, if women have also been. But why is that, Neha? 
that is also because uh, when you know so when women are heckled and then they are beaten up and which did did happen because people went inside their houses there have been several houses in karawalnagar which have been uh, lots of families that i spoke to they had gathered so you know they have this rent economy so in one on one floor there are uh, 15 rooms and one toilet and everybody shares that mm. all the 15 families had moved to one room and people were uh, coming uh, the mob had come out and burnt all the 14 rooms i've seen it with my own eyes yesterday burnt all the 14 rooms looted and plundered and were trying to attack those so some of the women who i spoke to who were attacked and who told me about Uh, other women also and this is how the conversation when women face violence in this situation starts that they would never say it happened to them but they would start by saying i know somebody who faced that because there is so much pressure from the community because if they accept that there has been attack on them it kinds of uh, kind of brings shame to the community so there's a shame associated also by this reluctance on the part of women to come out and so which is why we see all the injuries that we see in the, all the hospitals are all men Hmm. I see. Manisha, so, yeah, Manisha, yeah. you were saying something. Ha, no, just on the people coming from outside. In fact, uh, Ayush's report points out that one of the bastis near Luni, where uh, a Muslim slum was set on fire, it's shared with Dalits. So the Dalits say that uh, there were people who came from outside the Asanis, and they were Hindus, mm. and they told us that we will not destroy your house. But our neighbors are Muslims, so they were kind of torn because the Asnis were Hindus and their neighbors were Muslims. So yeah, it does seem like a lot of people did come from outside. And what do you think uh, has this? I do think that now that the details are coming out, for example, of the IB guy Ankit, hmm. who's been brutally murdered, uh, the details of his, uh, you know, and it's been conf- it's been reported that it's a Muslim mob that brutally beat him up and then dumped him in the drain, and you know the visuals of his body coming out are very very chilling. So I do think. when when excesses start coming out because when i was i was just coming to office and there were a bunch of three men watching their phones and they were like ye dekho sare hindu ghar jale hain so when you're going to have a media that's going to be either selectively show stuff or even when you're showing stuff just generally from both you're sides you're saying it will lead to polarization yeah even an, an image of you know someone climbing mm. up a minaret planting a flag you know that will have its own effect on the muslim community when you see something like that it's going to have its own effect in polarization or wanting to retaliate similarly with hindus when you have the media just giving you very gory details of everything that the muslim mob did it's going to have i think it will polarize a lot of people no i think But there was already a situation i mean how many muslims you have seen living in uh, hindu dominated areas i have mm. seen muslims always living in yeah uh, but but ghettoization is one thing yeah. but polarization uh, of the entire electorate is another no i say ghettoization is a situation which leads to polarization and and uh, whenever an uh, you know uh, incident happens i mean right like this will definitely lead to no i i don't no, quite I agree mean, so like, like for example when i was in dehradun there was this place called inamola building where all the, i mean not that dehradun has a huge muslim population but the small that was there was all there it was and i think that's true in in hyderabad there's ghettoization there's i think that is an i mean that's true for many communities around the country including sikhs in many parts of the country in bengalis in chitranjan park you know but i i don't think that necessarily leads to a polarized electorate i think that that is a huge distance to cover 
and i'm just wondering if this has managed to cover that distance sorry meraji no, was saying uh, the thing with the uh, ghettoization is also in this country given all that has happened to the muslim community they're also seeking safety in numbers like it happened in ahmedabad after the 2002 violence even in this if you see all the reporting people are saying okay this is muslim majority area violence didn't happen here most of the violence happened in mixed areas because like they didn't have the safety in numbers so that that's a problem but the the bigger what worries me what frightens me is say you have a muslim indian muslim youth even if like he's educated and everything and he believes in the so called greatness of this country now he sees this all this is uh, by the way manish's point i know that it's a i mean it's a catch 22 you can't show these visuals because it will lead to more violence but then you can't hide it also so no, what no, do I'm you do i'm saying you shouldn't show but i'm saying that show it sensitively really, obviously yeah, yeah. but the problem is now you have this muslim young muslim man or woman who sees this everything is on video and now she ha- she believes in the institutions of this country but then she also sees the police is siding with the hindu exactly. writers yeah, then cute. then she goes to the pol- say the politicians the political party she votes for they're not standing with her mm. then the last hope is the judiciary and she says it's being like blatantly rigged mm. so what is the what is the solution he can think exactly. of that, uh, that is frightening if you really think about it that is like, what led to the rise of people like wo deewar kis par bani hai wo the dawn of bombay haji mustan haji mustan haji could get you justice that no one could that is what made the only thing is bal thakre was a hindu and maratha but you know he was there because bombay was such a affluent country uh, uh, affluent society mm-hmm. that a poor jhoki dweller could not get justice and he mm-hmm. said i'll get you justice the police isn't giving it to you court isn't giving it to you i'll drag them out and till he was alive and i i've, I've related this before on hafta when i was in bombay i personally of someone who was unfair to his maid and uh, the next day the maid didn't go to the cops or anything the next day 10 guys rang his doorbell in a very posh bandra neighborhood and said you will compensate her or we will drag you out and beat you up in front of your neighbors and he complied they were shiv senics the point is bal thakre would get away with it because he was hindu if such a muslim dawn rises then it the state will he will face the full brunt of the state mm. sorry neha you were saying yeah i also wanted to add that see there is a precedent to it in the sense that let's just go back because this is a working class area that was mm-hmm. uh, affected let's just go back to naroda patia what happened in the 2002 uh, riots in naroda patia in amdabad this was naroda, naroda patia was also a settlement that came across when the mill workers in the 1960s in amdabad they settled in that area and in the 60s there was a, a huge uh, communal violence uh, communal riot in the in amdabad which led to polarization and after 2002 narodia patia had both dalits and muslims and both of them used to work as contract workers in the same uh, factories and after 2002 what happened was that the mill owners or the industrial unit owners because they wanted to be in the good books of the administration and the government they stopped giving work to the muslim workers daily wages and then they said that if even if you're getting it you were you'll have to work on lesser wages so this is this is a standard thing that is often used in when there is violence communal violence in this uh, kind of a working class neighborhood because there's an economics to it which means that now the, all those industrial units that will employ people will also benefit from this kind of violence because this is unorganized there are no guidelines there are no laws that are followed and which is why a lot of them will be hired for lesser money i want to also bring attention to the fact that lot of these people in uh, north delhi and especially north 
नॉर्थ ईस्ट डेली वर्किंग इन दीज इंडस्ट्रियल यूनिट और ऑल्सो माइग्रेंट्स हु केम फ्रॉम यूपी आफ्टर द बाबरी मस्जिद डेमोलेशन आफ्टर ऑल द वायलेंस दैट हैपन एंड सेटल इन दीज एरिया एंड दे आर काइंड ऑफ बैक इन टू द सेम सर्कल एंड नॉट ऑफ डेम हैव अगेन गॉन बैक टू मुरादाबाद आफ्टर येस्ट डेज वायलेंस सो दिस economy of cheap labor created through communal violence in working class neighborhoods is something that is that we'll see again as an aftermath of this situation that has happened to this Yeah I think the story of the 85 year old woman who died in our house burnt alive that kind mm-hmm. of bears out what Neha is saying she survived you know partition she survived mm-hmm. other riots and she was burnt uh, but I think just one more point I wanted to add was that I think I personally was very disappointed with how Arvind Kejriwal behaved in all of this mm-hmm. with his silly photo ops at Rajghat you know praying in front of Gandhi you may not have the police under you but you have 62 MLAs you could have gone to the area way before you could have conducted peace marches this is something that Mamta Banerjee does really well she hits the streets every time she sees that something like this is happening in her state and i think it's really pathetic that he didn't stand up to the occasion and appealing for peace in more ways than just tweeting or doing photo ops at rajghat hmm yeah no, let's also banisha i also noticed the same thing yesterday because lnjp is under the delhi government this hospital and i was just shocked at the lack of like anybody being prepared in fact even the riot victims were not were just registered as people who were who had some kind of injuries and there was no acknowledgement that they were affected by the riots and which is why people were bleeding from 2 am until 7 pm yesterday there was no action till lots of us like uh, frantically tweeted and made calls so i understand that law and order is not under the delhi government but this public health and these hospitals they are under them and i hoped that there uh, there was there would be some more proactive action and that was yeah. there in fact even ambulances that the hospital could have provided for the victims were not available yeah and the al hind hospital in mustafabad which i mean they have a capacity of 50 now they're nursing about 300 people yeah. they've down the shutters and they were like through the night we could hear people banging on our shutters you could have done much more you could have hit the streets and really organized well, at least healthcare help mm. for victims and stuff like that i agree with neha about the health you know they they should have mm-hmm. had everybody at the hospital the ml at the hospital but i completely disagree about hitting the streets i think that would be doing exactly what would do more damage on polarizing because what happened before the election with this okla mla what's his name amanatullah amanatullah he was 2 kilometers away from shaheen bagh or probably more and he made that speech within a day shaheen bagh violence was connected to him if any mla had gone to a violent hit place it would have led to an escalation because that would have immediately from the bjp saying they have caused the riot they would be in a clash of course they aren't saying our peace march nikalo hum chup chap baithenge the police is with the central government they have enough goons i think it is highly i mean ill advisable for them to go to any riot hit area i don't think any mla should go what they should do is they should go to all the hospitals all 62 of them themselves they should be there with 10 12 people because hospitals it is highly unlikely there'll be a, a riot there they can make sure that they get all the facilities that they you know that are required they should get their volunteers because they have see they have huge amount of ground mobilization ability they should get those volunteers there in assisting in first aid assisting in you know facilitating whether it is ambulances and stuff like that but wherever there is violence i don't think any political leader right now should go there because 
that would be playing in my view into Amit Shah's playbook. He will immediately turn it around on you. No, but I think it's cowardly to go on worrying now what the BJP. I mean, BJP is doing what it's going to do. You've won your elections. Fine, I understand electoral compulsions back then, but you've got you've won your elections. You can't keep on worrying that, boy, Amit Shah will play. Karega. You have. In those areas, Hindus and Muslims, by themselves, by community initiatives, have gone out and taken out peace marches or appealed to both communities. I don't think a chief minister or a MLA is going to riot-affected areas, meeting families, appealing for peace, plays into anyone's hand. And if you're going to be so scared, then you're a coward. I don't think it's about cowardly it's, or fear. You know, no, it's not fear. I don't think they are scared about anything that will happen to them. The na- Basically, what is politics? It is public perception of who is right, who is wrong, what is correct, what is incorrect. If you, the public perception with the willing media is that you engineered the riot, then you can be rest assured that the BJP will keep coming, doing this again and again and again. I mean, we are not, you know, ki chhati chodi karke aap mujhe Cowardly is an instance where you're talking about either an electoral defeat which they don't there's nothing to it right now because elections are over five years or physical harm which again will not happen to an MLA because he'll have he or she will have their supporters it is playing into a narrative see politics is not a conversation that's what I mean when I was on the Times Now you know panel what we consider right and wrong is from an ideological position when you're in the political game you can't be Yugendra Yadav then you'll remain a Yugendra Yadav you keep appearing on panels you'll do jack shit. So I think that that is something that we tend to miss in commentary. No, I agree to some extent with you, but I think CM of a state needs to demonstrate that he cares for the city. Yeah. He should be his at city. the hospital. He, he cares for his city. So one way of showing it is be at the hospital. And another way of showing it is 34 deaths, go to each one of them. There are go Hindus, there are the Muslims. Localities, go, to the their, go to their house, houses. Like he should announce huh? a rehabilitation package for yes. everyone who is yes. injured or killed. So, so and not just like he's only every shop, the guy for now. shop that is burnt. Yes. If in the next few days, if that gets announced, that would be something that is yes. productive, that is constructive. Yes. yes. No, but all, all these things, I mean, as good as they are going to hospitals, compensation, that only takes care of what has happened after the fact. The primary objective is to stop the violence and prevent the violence from happening. So who's going to do that? BJP is not going to do that because that's like calling the arsonists put out the fire. They're not going to do that. Police is not going to do that. The judiciary obviously is not going to do that now. So who's going to do it now? No, that's what so uh, that is the Pratap problem. Banu Mehta has written. Yeah, and I don't think it's... How the Muslims, they have no way to go. I yeah. mean, yeah. this is a very dangerous situation. And this so, idea so that it's, a, it's, it's, it's both sides, it's not. Because on one side, you have the state, you have the ruling party, you have the police, you have the judiciary. On the other side, you have the... You Basically, have a, you have you all have the constitutional community. arms of, mm. of execution and against, against one community. So what do you do? So how do you stop that violence? Not just stop this violence, but prevent violence from happening in the future. That's For that, somebody has question. to take leadership. Are we, are and saying that Look, can, could, could he counter Kapil Mishra when he uttered those words? I think I mean, that's what that day I mean, at least he nobody could spoke at that time. You know, when he said that I give three days behind DCP, okay, we, we guys reported it. Mm. Huh, but DCP is standing there, but there was nothing from the politicians. Immediate reaction. I, I didn't see any nothing, immediate no. reaction. Also, I think I'm three days behind. Sunday morning things. is when it starts happening. I don't think it's such a you know, bizarre expectation of the AAP to have landed there with their people and to just mobilize the cadre to say, guys, like, done something. Like, 
conducted a peace march or met people or met community elders this is what chief ministers yeah. do usually it's not unusual they sat like they sat at uh, this thing garajghat ha matlab rajghat mein aake gaane ke liye samne karna is that's a photo i think it was very hmm. disappointing hmm. i mean i still say that i think they the did nothing the other thing also uh, i would like to add that what it also shows is that while they always talk about these things that like we some real serious attention needs to be paid at the infrastructure to deal with such situation yes. for example two people two dead bodies in uh, lnjp 20 dead bodies at gtb hospital have just been there because there is nobody available from the police to start the post mortem so just imagine so i'm just talking about very basic changes that need to be made at the infrastructure level to deal with these kind of situations and i think because the, the delhi government and aap have been talking about these while they are uh, talking about statehood and while they are talking about uh, you know public health and education this is also very important considering the kind of uh, various people that live and how susceptible delhi has been to violence in the last 3 uh, months especially since december so that is one part also the other infrastructure of bringing in people for example lots of women in the jafarabad and the, and the tents in mustafabad day before yesterday they were set on fire now they had no way to go people who were yesterday getting discharged from the hospital they could not go back home because there was curfew imposed so or curfew like situation so then where do they go so these basic things i think the anybody in the administration or the uh, delhi government they can fix these things and they should it's high time they start working on these infrastructural changes that need to be made instead of saying that we need now we need a law and order and we need statehood and that is when we'll do these also so public health is important but in these situations the people who are getting affected they can't even afford to get their eye operation done because yeah. the eye is damaged no they can't so even get tests done but, yeah. i mean the the, the social economic bracket on board but so uh, i think one interesting uh, angle to the story would be if we have reporters on the ground there i mean i know they are covering other things if you have an idea of this entire area how many government hospitals are there and how what is the capacity and how many injured are there it'll just give mm-hmm. an idea of you know that side like one major is hospital one is guru tegh bahadur that is that's, that's, that, that's the very thing. big hospital the our reporters spoke to all these people mm-hmm. who were there and all of them said maybe they would have been saved if that had been urgent medical yeah. care yeah. there wasn't anything this yeah. alhind hospital it's mm-hmm. not even a hospital they don't it's have a, a surgeon like they don't have anything they had to call in like laborers to do first aid because they didn't have anybody there even many of them bled to death because there was no one to give immediate attention Solanki, yeah mm. he also died they went to three hospitals he wasn't admitted in those three hospitals and finally he landed at gtp by then i think uh, it's shocking this is the capital this is one yes. of the one of the people who died i think his name is shahid it's not yet clear because there's no medical report and stuff but it appears that he was hit in his leg or his foot and he bled to death from a foot injury my god it's oh. shocking uh, the same i saw the same thing at lnjp hospital where they were i saw with my own eyes that diet affected people were doubling and tripling on the beds in the emergency ward so there were not enough beds for them and these are people with severe brain injuries who were tripling and doubling on the bed so yeah i think they should have set up a uh, a center for first aid you know got some hosp- uh, volunteer doctors and just set that up i think that is that is something that should have been done like within a few hours and that could have been done because then you're not going into an uncontrolled situation you have a large bungalow or a large area you set up a 
you know surgical hospital or a surgical clinic or or just a first aid facility and you have enough you have thousands of you know workers who can guard that area and make sure that the injured come and you can treat them that that's something they could But have done but then it runs into the same problems like at al hind hospital the director had to go to the supreme court because the police wouldn't let ambulances in they couldn't shift patients oh, out so he had to go to the supreme court supreme court told please let the ambulances in and then five doctors from aims came to help the but they couldn't help because there was nothing they could do they didn't have the equipment I think this the, is so worrying that when the yeah. police is complicit then they won't let anything happen exactly yeah, also most, one thing which is sadly sad to note that how the city has we in south delhi don't even know i mean most yeah. of it are untouched by untouched the fact that complete. 40 people in our city died so how the city was also unable to come together i mean if there are hospital if you know the lack of hospitals lack of sort of facilities there could have been sort of a coordination where the rest of the city you know goes out or there are people brought into hospitals closer to northeast delhi away from northeast delhi for medical help but it's amazing how this pocket of despair was just like to Actually, be Actually no you know uh, in all fairness I've received a lot of uh, texts from many friends of mine from across the city saying we want to do something what do we do people do want to do something but the thing is but when the state is acting as an active participant mm. in this yes people don't know what they should do because they don't want to take on the cops you know if it was just It's just communities i'm sure a lot more people would have come out but when people are aware that the police is on one side that actually disincentivizes a lot of people if even journalists are attacked in front of the police, police and they're not exactly. doing anything so what can a common man do it's that one the two things uh, gtb i must say that it's a very good hospital hmm. because i used to live in that area once upon a time both of my children were born at gtb i see uh, so i it, it is a very highly specialized you know hospital even for it has got a very good burn department also after sadhya okay but it's so overwhelmed i guess but with the yeah. numbers because because, because people are coming from ghaziabad nebi right. so so yeah. nobody is stopped there well, so the level of injuries is like 300 400 people so how so they, I mean, that is why two. it is so weird and so in fact so cruel that people talk about oh they are giving freebies to people mm. i mean these are people who will go to the supreme court if their colony doesn't get water and yeah. they talking about freebies yeah. to freebies, like people exactly. who don't i'm talking about freebies just coming in and out of the colony the amount of real estate taken up by parked cars Hmm. is like what the fuck yeah exactly but uh, the two other things that like stood out for me were the kind of political heft that sonia gandhi still has you know when sonia gandhi did that press conference saying that amit shah should hmm. resign and you know flanked by antony and manmohan singh who looked like he'd gone to sleep uh, the immediate response from the bjp demonstrates that if there's one person who still spooks them it's sonia gandhi otherwise you know people are saying whatever they want they don't even fucking react you know they don't arvin said i'll tell home minister to call the army they do not even react i mean and but the moment sonia gandhi made gave that press conference asking for within an hour there was ravi shankar prasad there was prakash javdekar there were responses no but they the want ar- to they want to here there's a point hmm. they want to make it sound like that that congress is the major thing and congress is the weakest that suits them He, I, I mean, if Sonia Gandhi speaks, so so they will speak against uh, you know so so, so, they, uh, so that suits their political designs. No, but also it was also because the demand she made. She didn't ask for the like the usual Modi should say this, Amit ah. Shah should say this, Amit Shah Amit should resign. resign. That's something that I, I haven't heard that before anywhere. Uh, whenever there's I don't been know why right. there's not enough uh, demand. Uh, all for the others say yeah. he should call the army. Man, I mean, like mm. I said, it's calling asking the arsonist to put out the fire. Yeah. You can't do that. Also, there's some confusion about Justice S. Murli Dhar's trans. transfer to the delhi high court 
फ्रॉम द डेली हाई कोर्ट टू पंजाब एंड हरियाणा हाई कोर्ट फॉर दोज ऑफ यू हु आर नॉट अवेयर जस्टिस मुरलीधर वॉज द वन yesterday who completely took the cops to the cleaners saying that you haven't seen this video you haven't filed any fir yet he really gave it off to them uh, i mean he shamed them like they deserve to be shamed and today he has been transferred now some people are saying that this decision for transfer happened on feb 12th it is not an immediate response to how he handled this case uh, j- so that is true so yes his transfer had happened earlier in fact the bar association of a group of lawyers who had said who had protested yes. against his transfer yeah but while it is true that had ha- the 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 transfer was announced on the 12th the notification can come any time after for example just like the fdi policy that was announced by piyush goel about two months ago the notification still hasn't come so that is only a press conference the law is it will not be executed the execution happens on notification the notification happened today now that is too much of a coincidence in my view even though the decision to transfer him had happened 2 weeks ago Absolutely. also it's a bit of a technicality Absolutely. but this needs to be said the supreme court collegium recommends his transfer which they did on 12th of february yes. then the government transfers them and usually when they transfer they'll give a date he'll join by this or that date this this is i think like there are a lot of notifications online this is the one notification which doesn't have a date which basically i mean it doesn't say that in so many words but the implication is that he has to go immediately, immediately at once yeah it's very simple if the delhi police goes to the delhi high court today hmm. saying and and they do not file fir against anurag anurag uh, thakur is, thakur hmm. uh, and the three others kapil kapil mishra and, and varma sir varma ha if they don't file the fir the notification was by design yeah exactly if they don't file the fir it was by design Simple. that's clear correct ah. anyway it's it's tragic i'm shocked this is the capital i am i mean it, it's been a horrible couple of days yeah. one really doesn't know what to say and or do and the full horror is only unfolding i mean now that the situation has calmed down a bit the curfews are being lifted now we're hearing of really terrible reports so people uh, just out of curiosity uh, how are how are you you know because you get filled with rage absolutely so i'm taking it out on my family <laughs> you know what i'm doing is that i have first cousins extended family who are hardcore bigoted chutias earlier because of age bhaiyaein didi hain bua hai you don't say anything you just avoid the system now to i will whatsapp them if my mother gets to know she'll throw me out of the house but i have not pulled my punches i'm saying guys should be are disgusting i'm shocked you're my family i don't even want to see your face again i think that is the only way you have to just tell no matter how close these people are to you who you've been tolerating fuck off this is what tolerating assholes like you has led to yes So no, I've done. I, I've done that. Uh, but besides, I'm all the time thinking about stories <laughs> that we can do, huh. and uh, and we should. We have to. I mean, we as journalists, we should ensure that the truth must yeah. come out. Come also, out. when we do, I mean, I you realize how privileged you are also, and with that should yes. come our responsibility. I mean, we are privileged enough to go to report to bring out the truth, and, and I think our focus should just be. and really hats off i mean we critique a lot of the media but i think how young reporters from across yes. channels have yes. gone out and reported at great personal risk and i think i mean sometimes not i mean but i wonder if any of them go back to the, the newsroom like the times now journalist who was attacked did he or she go back to the newsroom and say tell padmaja and rahul shiv shankar like 
what the fuck are you guys doing because this is where we be- i'm wondering if any of them have been able to do that and i understand that it comes from privilege if you need a job and you have to pay bills mm. it becomes harder but i don't believe all of them have to pay bills yeah some of them can take that risk and i think I the ones know. who can should i think it's a matter of attitude of, also in television i think there's a lot of despondence so we can come to the trump thing i went attended the press conference where i heard one anchor one reporter behind me just he was just saying ki hum to performance monkey hain you know we'll get our thing we'll do whatever we have to and then the anchor takes over i think there's a lot of despondence amongst reporters and news ah. channels they've resigned to the fact that the anchor is going to do what they're going to do on Bite prime characters. time We are also, gonna... one thing I've been noticing, and I I don't know if I'm indulging myself when I'm thinking this. Like I have a case of inciting communal hatred against me, 153A for writing an article. Yeah. And I'm constantly thinking, and again I'm going to Guwahati again next week. I'm just thinking why if I I for writing an article can have a 1 153A against me, why these people out there on the video yeah. are not ah. charged with the same section, yes. charged under the same section. Yeah, yeah, I so saw that you. Definitely something that I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's simple. I mean, because they are the people of the state. They have the ba- backing of the state. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's it, as simple fact, as that. 1984, for three days, the writers were they, they had a complete free hand. Free run, yeah. Mm. And I remember very. I I was a post uh, postgraduate student at that time when the army marched in. They said to us, "Three days, they gave you. It's enough. Now, nothing will happen." Mm. So so it was state it sponsored was at that time and even now It's true in all huh? riots the first two, days, the first two days you just look away just given free hand and you're given a free hand and then the police comes There's in this and this fascinating uh, David Devdas has written a piece for us he's a senior journalist he has covered the 84 riots so he has this fascinating anecdote he says uh, when uh, six of them journalists went to Tradukpuri in 84 and they saw these like bodies piled up everywhere and when they came back two of them stayed back because the victims told them please you stay here otherwise the police will also go as long as you're here just the two mm. of them mm. they'll stay so mm. journalists had such credibility ah. yeah. such at least such heft yeah, and presence could the have other four when exactly. the other four came back one of them stormed into the police commissioner's office said what the hell are you doing there's no police there and people have been uh, are dying and the police commissioner was forced to send the whatever his deputy or somebody to the spot And mm. journalists should do that. Imagine if yes, imagine if you are a so journalist now, you try to do that to today's police commissioner, you'll be thrown yeah. in jail. And he also notes that the mere presence of journalists could ensure that the mob, the mob backed out. Backed off. And now that's just it's just not there anymore. Credibility has gone. It has just come. doesn't. As a, I mean, no, a journalist I, would be easily a casualty. Basin. I think the people the. the pretense at decency has gone you don't there is no social pressure to be decent exactly uh, it's like you know people can shrug early if you shrug and say theek hai yaar people will die what's the big deal there was some shame associated with that and this is where leadership matters you know a lot of uh, apologists say theek hai one leader said this one leader said that said no when they say that and they said that is acceptable that percolates down just like and i've given this example so many times obama's presidency spiked the enrollment of black students in high school, in university it matters what people say what leaders say in public matters which is why again you know people say the trump he's very good because economy is doing well this is doing well a big deal if he said grab them by the pussy in public he's not going around doing it but the fact that he said and got away with it is a social sanction that now you can say shit like that or do shit like that and get away with it that's a good point the other related point mm-hmm. is the degradation of the institutions back then these writers knew that if they were caught on camera or the journalists identified them institution even if they were biased they would be shamed into acting against yeah. them yeah. now that now that they is also yeah. they'll yes. get garlanded now before we move on i have a few 
emails and letters from our wonderful subscribers. This one is from Raj Shekhar, who was a subscriber but now is a subscriber and a columnist and a contributor to News Laundry. Raj has written two wonderful pieces for two, right? Yes. yes. So Raj, looking forward to more. But this is an email where Raj says, "Guys, this is just a Mehraj appreciation mail. I have been a subscriber of News Laundry for a while, and I've been following News Laundry since at least 2013." I think adding Mehraj in the team was one of the best decisions you have ever made. I would basically pay money to have Mehraj have his own pod podcast, I guess he means, where he picks a specific socio-political idea like free speech and goes into detail and explain it. He's a great mind and personally if he is not concurrently writing a book on his political essays, it is a travesty. Apart from that, keep up the good work. So high praise Mehraj are you starting your own pod or are you going to be a slacker? Thanks so much Raj that those are very kind words. but uh, i'll try my best to do as well like as i can like commitment do a podcast chalu karoge ki nahi we have actually been talking about doing one so but we are Sheep. we are short of resources so subscribers we depend on you for all the uh, resources so if we have more people we can do more stuff if we have more resources we can do more but stuff but if i'm not wrong we've already interviewed for a desk position right we are hiring someone Are no, we? no, no. We are. We are looking for people. We haven't been finding good we, people. We have a budget. I've said you can yes, hire yes. another. Yeah, so yeah. as soon as that person, you find a person who you like. Yeah. Then please start this podcast. Yes, we have actually uh, spoken about Discuss it. Discuss that. Yeah. So, so hopefully, hopefully we'll do that. Obviously, Mehraj has very high standards. So, just just f- full disclosure that everyone says yes. Allah binandan kya karta hai. I have already approved. For one desk person and two reporters. <laughs> Now it's up to Raman Sir and Mehraj when they can hire those people. <laughs> uh, no, we are in the process. <laughs> so once that person comes, maybe Mehraj will have a little more time because right now he is uh, just him and Jayashri are handling the desk entirely on their own, which can get a bit much, especially when you have like eight, ten stories coming in a day. Mm-hmm. Then this is uh, an anonymous subscriber. Uh, this says women doctors in the three services, army, navy, and air force, are not only given permanent commission but are also given appointments as commanding officers of hospitals and medical units since time immemorial. In their command tenures, they have also done stellar work, even in field postings, and have risen to ranks of three-star generals, admirals, and air marshals. In these hospitals, as is true for the rest of the army, men are drawn from all parts of the country and all socio-economic backgrounds, and they do listen to the commanding officer, be it lady or gentleman. So this is in context to last hafta we were discussing this whole permanent commission in the armed forces. So I guess maybe some of the stuff that we said was not entirely accurate. This email is trying to make sure and, uh it's anonymous but I have a feeling this person is from the forces. Then Manik Kapse has written a 1151 word email. So Manik as you have said I don't have to read your full mail on because it'll take me 15 minutes reading this. So I'll just read a few lines. Uh, you've said this is the first time in your life that you are keen enough to write something. So we are flattered that you thought it worth your time to share your feedback with us. I have read your mail as has the rest of the panel. I can't read all of it out. You are a 37-year-old software engineer. You have lived in many places in India and abroad. You have several um, suggestions and kind words for us. You have been a consumer for six and six to seven years, and. Uh, basically i'll just i mean you said very wonderful things about madhu and me thank you and the rest of our team as well you have basically asked madhu is not here but what he's asked is that since madhu and arun puri are a brother and sister and often we comment on india today's work so why doesn't madhu give arun a pep talk <laughs> so uh, 
so you've said so i don't know uh, uh when madhu's here next i shall definitely put this question she's out of town but hopefully either this coming hafta or the hafta after that she will be in office when she's back in town and manik i promise you i'll ask her but just telling you uh when you know you become much older and even siblings have different businesses and different interests it's best they don't talk to each other about what they do in 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 their personal capacity and keep it commentary keep the two things separate, separate professional and that never ends well um yeah i mean i've lost friends uh, since i started news laundry uh, you know with madhu and prashant and rupak i mean i've people i've known for years because then it's very hard so friends are replaceable families not then indranil pole who had written last time about him why he subscribes even though his ideology doesn't match many of ours on the panel and in the senior management oh he's uh, he's from the gentleman RSS, who said he was uh, yeah. from the rss so someone last week had said that we should get him and do a full podcast so indranil thank you for listening first of all and thanks for writing again uh indranil says i was listening to hafta 264 and heard an email from a subscriber who talked about my letter from last hafta and also suggestion from manish that i could join you guys so uh you're in germany so we shall figure out a a time where you can join us actually better than that what i was planning in real i'm just telling you you and another subscriber who hopefully will be working with us soon because he had come to office and said he'd he'd work with us who also has entire childhood has grown up in the rss and his father is a very senior functionary of the rss still i was thinking i'll do a podcast not a hafta but with you him and someone from news laundry just to get to know the rss from a more dispassionate view from people who have grown up there i've also gone you've also gone there so uh, indranil uh, thanks for the offer we will be in touch with you uh, not just a hafta we are planning a podcast exclusively like get to know the rss like let's talk about kind of format uh, let's just move on to um, trump's visit manisha has to leave us in 10 minutes she is going to yes. ashoka university in fact to your university neha you're giving a lecture yes. there delivering a lecture manisha i'm delivering re- delivering a lecture what are you going to say can you give us a sneak peek i'm just going to be talking to them about kashmir and reporting on kashmir and how television media reported the abrogation and created consensus for the abrogation before it i see so, one word horrible <laughs> so uh, so trump was here while he was here there was lots of hugging i've noticed when trump and modi hug because both of them are very large around the waist <laughs> as opposed to the to, to to the rumored chest which is clearly not 56 inches but the waist could be waist could be so they kind of the stomach starch and then they kind of lean into each other you know what i mean ah. and then he put his hand under his so uh, armhole yeah which was so weird to, to by chance ho gaya hoga <laughs> i'm sure I, i'm sure trump isn't <laughs> attracted so there was much bon homey there was much dolland trump both of them dolland they both like <laughs> murdered all names viveka mundun kar diya usne vivekanand ko and uh, it was a hilarious speech uh, there was a wall built to keep we discussed that last hafta there was no significant trade talk except that after the initial bonhomi and trump saying you know i love modi and all that in his press conference he did say that we are treated unfairly harley davidson is taxed at 100 yeah. 200% so clearly he's not going to let up no matter how much he and modi hug let up on his tariffs and export import policy he's not letting up on that but manisha you attended the press conference yeah, at the us embassy fun. and you didn't get to ask a question no i didn't but do I tell kept us raising my hand but i didn't but what what did you get from that you did say that the fact and in fact um, advaita kala has tweeted that 
the CNN journalist and Trump got into Jim a spat. Yeah. Uh, and uh, sh- she said uh, it is very bad of CNN to question their president on foreign soil. And I was just discussing this with Manisha. That if Indian our prime minister foreign soil, they'll say they're anti-national. Oh, yeah. Trump has so much praise for Indian media, you know. Yeah, that. so much praise. So <laughs> what was it like? So one thing is that, interestingly, like Jim Costa is based in Washington. So he would have come from there chasing the president to India. That's also quite amazing. No, because their White House correspondents yeah. usually do and that. And the fact to ask a question, like... Yeah, yeah, he asked him. So I was really amazed. All said and done. Of course, Trump is Trump. And it was really amazing to see him real life because he's really everything that he's made out to be. Like this... I, I found it really funny. One of the things I'll just tell you that he, he went on to talk about how you know he loves the Indian steel sector and we love them They're doing such a good job, such a great job. I met Mr. Patel. He kept kept on going Mr. Patel, but Mr. Patel. I was like, who's this Mr. Patel? So it turns out he was talking about Mittal. <laughs> <laughs> like Sapkoi is there. Patel. Patel. Sap Patel. But it was very amazing that he came. Uh, there were no. Um, he came and he took questions very spontaneously. Jim Costa was right at the beginning and he said, you know, you can ask me. They got into a little spat where he said, your, you know, your, uh, record, isn't your good. record is terrible at telling truth. And he said, our record is better than yours. And then he said, no, it's not. And he said, we're very proud of our record. So they got into a little bit of an altercation. But Trump took questions randomly from all journalists, unheard of in India, not even from Manmohan's times. Could I think journalists just yeah, ask be, asked, be asked to just ask questions without knowing what the script is before or without even knowing which journalist is going to get to ask a favorable journalist or mm, a journalist to... You are unlucky. As usual, Indian journalists asked pathetic questions. <laughs> I was so disappointed. Only one journalist asked him about CA. Rest were just, uh, sir, what do you think about Pakistan? Sir, what will you do? And Trump is very clearly... I mean, he's said once that, you know, Imran Khan is a great friend of mine. Hmm. I love this gentleman. Same shit he'll I love say. him, I love him. Then again, but sir, what will you do about Pakistan? And I think he was trying to say that, boss, I don't care, you know, it's your <laughs> issue. I think he pretty much kind of said that you guys are, India's a big country, you know. He was trying to imply that and took a BBC journalist to then ask him again about CAA and the mm. uh, NRC. And when Trump responded and he basically said it's India's problem and I'm not interfering in it. Mm. The BBC correspondent went ahead, cheekily said that, suggested you know, asked him that, do you think you're even the right person to bring up this question considering your own record of, you know, wanting a Muslim ban and stuff like that? So I thought it was it was I, really uh, great to see a free press in action. I think when, it's, when your spirit in is a US broken... press conference. Uh, when your spirit is broken, it doesn't matter whether it's Modi in front of you or Trump in front of you or Manmohan in front of you. Yeah. When you have got used to being Salam Saab, then you'll do Salam Saab no matter yes. who the Saab is. And that is the case of the Indian media. Yes. They have said Salam Saab, so... Dude, you can take Trump to the cleaners, yeah? Wo bhi aapki, yeah. You don't have the nuts to do that. It's just, I'm just disgusted. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, for people with longer memories, save for that brief period during the um, that Jan Lokpal Andolan, even when Manmohan Singh gave press conferences, mm. the questions were so asiny all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody should do a story to show what is what kind of people live behind the wall. The People who were hidden from yeah. Trump. Who are they? Yeah. That is the story. Ahmedabad, correct. Uh, That'll be a good one. They've been thrown out, no? Most of, most of them were told to go from there also, right? No, I think just the wall. Some were told to go, but the others the wall was built. Basically, the same thing would happen. Uh, we discussed they must that. Have what come happened back here at Commonwealth Games? It's also disgusting, amazing. Right? Like, um, I mean, he's such a phenomenally narcissistic person. It's amazing. I mean, of course, we know that about him, but it was amazing how every answer was about him. Everything he said went back to him. 
he went on the strange like five minute monologue and saying that you know the us ambassadors told me the indian ambassadors told me that nothing like this has ever happened in india the reception i've got like no one's ever been received in such a way like thousands and thousands of people and everyone came to pay their respects then he of course he's like of course i'm a representative of america so they were paying their respects to america but i'm still their leader so he just went on this five minute rant yeah. about how great he that is you know that is his great this thing no that's his great weapon he's but always he's on like, brand and he's his like brand a child is himself who genuinely believes it you know yeah, it's I mean, not a, he's like a brat he that actually that makes it authentic right it's very authentic yeah. clean narcissistic yeah. which is quite amazing this is me deal with it yeah so uh anything else to do with the us visit before i just you know briefly want to discuss one more issue the one thing which is in context of delhi is that the wall to wall coverage that every hug everything was getting while delhi was burning demonstrates it's not just the famous tragedy of distance okay rajdeep kya bolta rehta the tyranny of distance tyranny of distance you know vans could have gone where they are here but it was trump that was getting coverage and I don't know whether you saw Sudhir Chaudhary's f- selfie with Trump and Modi, oh, and he says most powerful some, selfie. Yeah, most powerful selfie, and then says how <laughs> wonderful, and he says yes, it's an organic picture, and I don't know whatever the fuck an organic picture is, and it's made of. <laughs> how can a selfie be an organic picture? Selfie is like maybe the most choreographed thing on earth. Maybe he meant that the very word means that it yeah. was I mean taken with that purpose. Okay. Okay. These guys okay. are organic, man. No, but no, but maybe he means that if I do print it out, it will be on paper that is organic. material which will dk no 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 i i know what he means modi was in the background in that picture he was not like next to him or okay, in so front of him as it should right. have been so maybe he meant that so, galti se ho gaya yeah so that was um, the the other thing that got major coverage har cheez galti se karta ha it's 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 tragic what's happened to journalism and journalists <laughs> But uh, I just before we wind up and we let uh, Neha go and Manisha, you Manisha, you leave if you have to now. Yes, thank you. You shouldn't keep the students waiting. Yes, my suggestion for the week is uh, all our stories: Ayusha's story, Ayan's story, Veena and Anusuya's story on the oh. Delhi riots. So, okay, bye. Ra- so bye, Manisha. You carry on. Bye bye. Now, uh, Neha, just want to come to you first on this. If there's any other issue that. you think should have or sh- didn't dominate the media please feel free to talk about yeah but i was just uh, wanting to take up this it's an uh, international issue of this um, weinstein affair you know he was held mm-hmm. guilty now it wasn't it he wasn't held guilty on you know a first count of rape or whatever the various on the most stringent reasons uh, mm-hmm. the allegations and i read an interesting article in time magazine that spoke about how it's still very difficult to prove many sexual crimes because one of the women who accused him continued to be his girlfriend and she said i don't want to mm. break up with him because i was scared so they would go to public together they would go to parties she would but she said all during that period i was abused mm. and of course on that account he has not been convicted uh, which would have mm. probably put him in for a long time and there are many other cases like this mm. in india now while there are many weaknesses when it comes to the case, when it comes to the judiciary when you actually arguing it in court because you can't prove it but the fact that many cases have had a repercussion in the west mm. on me too mm. in india why do you think the me too movement has not been able to get the kind of results that it has in the west uh see abhinandan see here i i would say that um 
all these complexities that were evident in the Weinstein trial here also I mean we we are like uh, it's multifold here in the sense that uh, it's it's first of all there are those classic things right where there is the question of believability there is question of trust this question of gravitas that a woman in her woman is uh, naturally in a patriarchal world not given so anything that she says is not is supposed to have no gravity so that is one thing when you bring that to a workplace it becomes more complicated so for example like kalpana sharma uh, very rightly pointed out last year that it is need to moment and not movement because we have not really been able to mobilize enough support for the people who came up with their testimonies of facing sexual harassment in their lives and also to take it forward in terms of bringing changes in the workplace law and their implementation so for example in 2018 october when a lot of women journalists uh, started coming out with their testimonials of having faced sexual harassment in their work lives a lot of them were bringing those incidents from 20 years 10 years but the but the problem is that many of them right now who did come up with those uh, uh, testimonies are facing defamation cases all of them who are facing defamation cases these women are not from the mainstream english media but write in other indian languages so that makes them further vulnerable just in terms of their geographies and the places that where they work where there is not enough support the other thing also is that there are a lot of things in the workplace laws for example we as a network of women in media we re- realize that for example any woman journalist who goes out and interviews somebody outside her workplace technically if she if she faces any kind of sexual harassment there that is not included in it, the workplace right laws. it's not yeah okay Deal i with get sexual it. harassment so hmm. that is one basic thing and most of the reporters who go out face this and so which means that your organization is not entitled to cover it then a another couple of other cases where women journalists had complained against their co-workers they uh, their case was not put in uh, not dealt under the sexual harassment uh, law and icc but instead it was placed under the employees uh, you know uh, employees guidelines or something like that so I a see. lot of media houses did not want to acknowledge that this is a case of sexual harassment but actually some uh, you know employee code book has been violated in in dealing with these women and which is why a lot of top people have managed to get back the same positions that they were in they continue to pull strings and again i want to come back to a very basic uh, and because india is still it's not even fully capitalist we are still in a feudal patriarchal society we are not hmm. in a capitalist patriarchal society so in the feudal setup women still first of all coming from local uh, uh, smaller towns are struggling to come back come to work places fight with their families fight the patriarchal backlash to have an independent life once they get those jobs and they are facing this kind of harassment the fear of the been, fear of being told are, that ha huh, come back correct and they have no support from their families they wouldn't go against the their uh, their employers who are harassing them because right. that means going back home and getting married so even so if that's so the same even example that you are bringing in in the weinstein case where the girlfriend right. continue to be with him because you do not have enough cushion to actually go and confront and acknowledge that you are facing this kind of harassment because that will have long term implications on your life this is a life so decision. it's so it's a d- double whammy so even if you have that slight sliver of hope that my workplace will address it and if they do address it even if you get justice your family will say now come back home bahut ho gaya 
no need to go so basically one of the two places is going to basically fuck your future so you're screwed either which way which is abhinandan very briefly which is evident in all the 15 16 major cases that came out in october 2018 if you look at them except priya ramani's case there are no other cases that we are hearing of and if we meet the survivors most of them have either been fired or they are not getting new jobs or gigs or assignments to sustain themselves because they came out openly and complained against these people Mm. yeah uh, just to add to neha's point i mean in this the broader cultural consciousness about these things it's still developing i mean the idea that there's a crime called sexual harassment mm. i mean in art and film stalking is like celebrated mm. it's only been a few years that they have stopped doing that i mean maybe they still do it right this idea that if a woman comes forward even like neha was talking about earlier during a communal violence also women come forward who have suffered sexual violence or other forms of violence they don't come forward because there's so much stigma attached to it and then the problem is even when you have privilege even when you can come forward you can like talk loud the institutional mechanisms there are to give you justice to give give you a redress they don't work we have been following priya ramani's case like she is the like she said she is the one person who actually went to court we have been following almost the every every hearing and it just goes on at a glacial yeah. pace basically at most hearings nothing happens and exactly the nothing significant speaks, yeah, yeah, nothing and it just sig- goes on and on and on and on for mm. somebody who can't afford to do that who can't afford to go to the court every day who can't afford to have a lawyer what are they supposed to do I mean, neha's face the brunt of the court system in india considering exactly, that you yeah. just story on the rss yeah. in guwahati and how many times have you been to guwahati neha and come back uh in the last four years i've been there 22 times this will be my 23rd next week my god in lucknow If, if shekhar gupta had not supported me hmm. i was in bombay hmm. so i was uh, he was paying all the and and it was a case with when when i used to be in pioneer hmm. pioneer stopped supporting me hmm. shekhar so gupta did could. support me so i i mean i was traveling by uh, so yeah. at least i think 50 50 so you had done this story for outlook ऑन <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what he was saying was he is the epitome of uh, commentary yes. that you have a full time job and you just do some on the side. Clearly, does someone doesn't understand what it is to do a report, a ground right. report? Like just pulling opinion in prime time is not is not journalism. He, That's why I never call myself a journalist. No, he mistakenly I, thinks that he is a journalist. <laughs> yeah, no, because I I say I'm a news professional. I'm management. I'm not a journalist because the rigor you require to be a journalist. The last time I did that was I think in the late '90s or maybe early 2000s is when I did my last report. Report. After that, it's a fucking more than a full-time job. Not only are you doing the shit that you have to do, then you're doing what Neha has to do. Exactly. I mean, if you are not don't have a full-time job in journalism, how are you going to do the kind of stories that Neha has done? Our reporters are doing right and now. The, and they take like anything from two to four, five weeks. To, how long did that RSS story take you, Neha? Four months. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. And you have to be on the ground. It's a yes. rigorous job, man. Wow. And you remember we carried uh, Nitin Sethi's story yeah. about electoral bonds that took a year. <laughs> Just going through the documents took him like yeah. so many months. <laughs> right, right. It's more than a full-time job, like you said. It's a twenty-four-seven job. Jeshree has written us an email as well. Uh, this Jeshree says I really enjoy some of the discussions last week, and I'm fascinated by the debate 
of Kejriwal's Hanuman Chalisa recitation has evoked, partly because I can see why people argue it is soft Hindutva and why people argue it isn't. I think it was Manisha who said that Gandhi too was religious and used religion to mobilize people. European style of secularism isn't possible in India. I'm wondering if Abhinandan and Manisha can elaborate on this a little because while Gandhi was crucial to the freedom movement and the Indian National Congress, he did not contest elections himself. Is it fair to then compare Kejriwal's evocation of Hanuman Bhakti during a crucial election to Gandhi's Raghupati Raghav Raja Ram? Also, can we also take into account the fact Ambedkar had to sign a Pune Pact and align with upper castes and give up possibility of separate electoral seats for the depressed classes? The question of separate electoral seats for Muslims is also a crucial component of politics leading up to partition. Ambedkar, of course, eventually converted to Buddhism. When we discuss mass mobilization, religion and politics, we keep coming back to Gandhi because he was a mass leader. I get that. But can we also address the absence of Ambedkar from these discussions? Ordinary Indians being religious is not something I necessarily have a problem with. It's the assumptions this sometimes leads to that upsets me. For instance, if you're Bengali, it is assumed you're Hindu, even though the state has a large number of Muslims and Christians. This is reflected in language. Such and such person is Bengali, but that person is Muslim. Secondly, the privileges that accrue to one belonging to a dominant religion, religious group means that those who are different are not called upon to define mainstream culture. Yes, you are okay with your politicians reciting Hanuman Chalisa, but is it really okay these days for mainstream readers to be seen at iftar parties? The fact is, I think it is no longer acceptable. I don't think it is a coincidence recently Shashi Tharoor equated the La ilaha illallah chants with Islamism. It is not a coincidence that Sharjil Imam's speech tests the limits of Indian liberalism and the support it will and will not offer. The space offered to upper caste Hindus to wear their religion on their sleeve is simply not the same or equal to the space offered to minorities. I appreciate the discussions you guys have and really value your honesty in discussing your views, but I feel we need more diverse newsrooms, panel discussions with views of different castes, classes, religion, etc. Most of you guys are upper caste Hindus talking to other upper caste Hindus. My own view these days is to simply accept that majoritarianism is to accept majoritarianism and make peace with it. I know Abhidhanan said that RSS BGP has taken nearly 100 years to achieve this kind of power. Yes, that is true. But one might argue that in one way or another, this has always been the country where upper caste Hindus, especially men, have wielded disproportionate power. Please don't let your personal faith blind you to your nevet. Thank you and best Jayashree. Anyone want to comment on that? Well, Manisha has already left, so she can't, but... Just one point <coughs> which has come up again and again in the last couple of discussions is that when we are talking about like European-style secularism won't work in India, mostly it's presumed that secularism is an ideology. It's not an ideology like, say, communism or Hindutva or even liberalism is an ideology. It's a value. Like being compassionate is a value. So you don't have to follow that exact secularism. You can be religious, you can be secular. These are not like contradictory right. things. Yeah. So for, uh, like Anand always says, this is a country of believers. So your representatives will be believers. And like I said the last time, that's not the problem. The problem is when you use that religion like these people are doing right, right. now to exclude all the others. So yeah. secularism is a value that binds these communities together. Yeah. It's not an ideology. So I agree with a lot of what you said, Jayashree. But what I disagree with is that you pit one truth against the other as if the two can't coexist. Yes, the majority culture here is Hindu, upper caste. Because of the history of upper caste dominance, which is deeply problematic. But does that does not mean, because that is true, saying that being able to articulate your religious faith 
is is like is a either of the two can happen both can happen uh, it will change and hopefully it is changing we will have more diverse newsroom in fact we have a very diverse newsroom now it's just that the senior management there is you know raman me and manisha uh, but our design head is what is called a tribal uh, we have um, um people from other faiths and communities in fact we have few joining in right the next year we have like a right now diverse. we have a cross section but you're right the upper management is and that is true for an indian cross section the other thing is that the dominant culture will be the dominant culture no? i mean to the expectation and this is what i have a problem with the expectation that you know there are there are also scientologists in india i mean let's like let's take two extremes hindu which is like 80% and scientology that may be 0.00001% and all other faiths are somewhere between that 80% and 0.0 the dominant faith will be the dominant i mean most people who are heroes i mean every now and then sharukh will play a varis or whatever but usually he'll be rahul verma only something else it's problematic and we should have that but there's an inevitability to that i mean what i'm saying is to think of that as this big evil is something that i can't do i don't i think it's problematic the lack of representation but i don't expect every microcosm to have equal power in popular culture it's it's an expectation like communism that everybody will have the same kind of uh, you know expectations from life also i think culture is essentially a function of demographics like if you are in a majority your culture will prevail but the problem is the whole idea of secularism <coughs> and democracy as that other cultures which It, which, which don't have the power of demographics behind them they get equal representation and also if your dominant culture say supports Uh, at the cost values, of another uh, supports values as sports institutions that are discriminatory for example caste system that is a clear exactly. no no racism that's a exactly. clear no no and those change yeah yeah but th- otherwise it's fine i mean you can be the most fiercest of hindu and still be a great secular person same right. with a muslim or a sikh or a so christian so i think reciting any i mean i wouldn't grudge a sikh wearing his <laughs> turban Uh, I would not grudge uh, a Muslim wearing uh, her kabaya, abaya. What do you say, abaya? I I I would not grudge someone wearing a tilak. Yeah, I would grudge someone wearing a janeu because, in my view, janeu is a symbol of caste oppression. So I have a problem with janeus, but not because of its religious connotation, because of its caste connotation. Uh, and caste had nothing to do with. any natural outcome of believers it had to do with one group being unfair to another so if you are going to call out someone for saying hanuman chalisa then be prepared for the other lot to say how dare you say allah akbar so i i i think that's a very slippery slope um, that you're suggesting and this is the last email for today samir kolpe kwar says I'm a big fan and great admirer of the work you at News Laundry do. I have been a freeloader for quite a while, but eventually decided to donate to your NLSNA project. Samir, one correction: you don't donate to our projects; you contribute to keep the journalism alive. It is a service that we provide. We, like other people in society, provide a service. The only difference is we take money for that service from the people who provide it to, and not from Mukesh Bhai's Jio. so it is not a donation which is why we never call a subscriptions and contributions donations but thank you for your contribution thank you for your subscription we are deeply deeply grateful
thank you for the free one month subscription and the coffee mug i am i'm sad that i got a bhagt one though so samir write to me at abhinandan.sekri@gmail.com i will get another bug sent to you bhagt one is our most popular one i bhagt think bhagt is very popular but we'll send to other we'll send mere paas ma hai and frankly speaking the greatest motivation to subscribe to nl hafta podcast is the nl hafta podcast however the fact that nl hafta isn't available on other podcast apps immediately disheartens me is it possible to add authenticated or premium rss podcast feeds so other apps get the podcast as well something like the below reddit link that he sent also while i understand the reason for putting hafta behind the paywall is it possible to at least put the recommendations by the panelist on chota hafta or is this or in the show notes i think that's possible uh, ivneet we can put the recommendations we put it put it in the note under chota hafta so even like some it says freeloaders can you know gain from our brillance and wise yeah, no that's actually a good idea i mean these are already this is stuff that's already there so if ah, more people read and so more that's, people that's read that so we yeah. should do that so let's put that on the chota hafta samir see immediately aapne suggestion di immediately hum incorporate kar lete hain ekdam saath ke saath that is the speed with which we incorporate recommendations uh so thanks for your subscription but moving on so um now i just like to close uh, but before i do that i just want to get some first hand information on this a supposed normal normal in kashmir so you have family there you have friends there uh, can you contact them on the phone now yeah, or yeah, phone yeah. lines open yeah yeah phone lines are open so, i mean internet doesn't work in 2g is working there right 2g have you seen it work in us 2g to yahan bhi hamare 3g mein hi sala mail nahi download hoti koi ek day i just got a story yeah. from a kashmiri uh, journalist so he was saying so it has taken me time because of Yeah, yeah, it's really like it so, for a... so now the schools have opened over there. On ground, is there some sense of calm, peace? How would you describe what you're getting from there? I think uh, Aga Shahid Ali described the best. They make desolation and call it peace. It's exactly that. So it's just waiting for a spark, something to happen, and it'll just blow up all over again. So there's a lot of pent up frustration, anger, everything. It's there. I mean, it's just waiting for a spark. I think it will happen now because there was winter. So there was winter. winter, yeah. I mean, schools uh, were closed because we have winter happen. vacations, like long winter vacations, hmm. two, three months, and now the schools have like this is the new new session begins now. Hmm. So this is now they start. I mean, usually begins in October, but nothing happened. So this is the new session happening now. Schools are open, people are going, but it's just like anything can happen anytime. So it's like that. Okay. On that note, let's get everyone's recommendations. Uh, Neha would like to give us your recommendation first that you think would enrich the lives of our listeners. I haven't read anything in the past one week but I watched a film called Promised Land uh, which is about uh, a small town in in US where people have to hand uh, hand over their lands to a company for uh, mining and I think it's a good uh, film to watch because considering what is happening right now and with with the movements and the complicity of how we underestimate large entities administration and uh, in the way they strategize about their taking over and making profits and i think it kind of resonates with what we are facing right now here in india in terms of political movements in terms of the crony capitalism that is happening i think it is a good watch and it's available on movie right neeraj uh, i'll recommend two pieces both from uh, news laundry uh, one is ayush's uh, he went around like the night before he went around all these places which have been affected by the violence and he just walked on foot and saw what what was happening so it's 
it's it's really gives you an idea of what's happening on the ground uh, the headline is smoke and fury and eyewitness account of mob raj in northeast delhi last night and the other is uh, what i was talking about earlier david devdas piece recounting his experience working uh, and covering the 1984 riots in practically the same areas where the violence is happening now like east delhi and how it is sort of making him relive the those experience all all over again and also one important point it talks about is like you were talking about journalism being a 24/7 job he talks about how the psychological trauma of covering this seeing bodies seeing violence how it affects journalists so that is i think one underreported aspect of this story people now though it's come to like people being brutalized being shot and being killed and being asked their religious identity which has even ta- taken it up a, another notch so mm. that i'd recommend for this sure. week pratap bhanu mehta hmm. today wrote in indian express and i think his article needs to be taken very very seriously where he is addressing very directly that the muslims have no place to go now in the minorities are facing for the first time they are facing a situation where the where the institutions have compromised and the opposition there is no opposition very weak opposition so they just don't know where to head to so it's a good article i i haven't had a chance to read it yet but what are his such what is his like solution to the whole no is is just uh, in the light of what happened in delhi yeah yeah so he has just uh, pointed out no he uh, hasn't like suggested anything not, any remedies no obviously to, i mean the uh, the judiciary i mean all these people they have to come out of this no but uh, i think i mean uh, institutionally it's not going to happen unless like muslims and it applies to every uh-huh. community unless they were share in power the, no. the i think the now what people should focus on is how See, to get that share the, in power uh-huh. more right. than the solutions that uh, identifying the problem first yeah, yeah, of so course, the clarity the, that he has given yes, yes. in his article is amazing and second is uh, i saw this american factory uh, documentary hmm. uh, on netflix which is uh, the unique thing about this documentary is that uh, nothing was set up it uh, you know over a period of time you know these uh, filmmakers they they were shooting with the you know employees of that factory so so the employees are the uh, and and even the owners they have shot so so that is the uniqueness it was organic to quote sudhir chaudhary was <laughs> <laughs> organic looks like so i have actually um, two two recommendations both of them are movies one is parasite i don't usually recommend films on this cuz i use i do that on the other podcast but i just think it's a must watch and also uh, snowpiercer which is by the same director and snowpiercer is so there on netflix it's on netflix and why i think it's a very interesting film to watch is I'll the, watch the plot is that you know for whatever reasons there's a freeze it's a new ice age and the only thing in the world that is survived is this train that is running all across the world and that train is non-stop running it's like by some tesla guy that what's his name Elon Musk type Musk, character yeah. has created this because he knew this would happen so he had already got this and that has a first class it has a class where all the poor people are now it is so horribly unjust that the people who have no money live the lives of animals literally and they are expendable and the people who are in the first class get all the resources and it is like so when they say this is the world it is that train is the world when you say all of humanity that train is all of humanity because everybody else is dead in the whole world now 
it is exactly what the world is right now except it's compressed into a train i think what the director has brilliantly done is that you know sometimes the injustice of the world is too vast for us to comprehend you know you, it's too big yeah it's like so you don't really he has just compressed that into Made a train microcosm of the, the and story. that you can comprehend yeah i and hope if, the people the poor people they revolt so they don't exactly, just take it lying you know, down like you can say it's unjust but if that is what your lot is so they have something they're called train babies because the train is in running for 17 years that people who've been born on the train they've never stepped Seen on the ground outside, okay. on earth so and since they've been born there they will always they'll die there they will never move to the front of the train so i think it's a brilliant film in that sense i'm not sure that message would have gone out to everybody who saw it but i think the brilliance of that film is just uh, amazing and parasite for i can remember the same reason there's a, there's, there's a revolt by the people who are left yes. there oh then and, I, i have to watch and, it and and the thing is that the revolt what it happens and, and it's a gray it's like when the revolt happens they die by the dozens children die and even children in the first class who also have been born there's not their fault they also die by the dozens but would you continue a world which is that unjust mm. or break it out into it being just at the cost of those people who then later on i, I mean some kind of i think it's a, it's it's a it's an interesting watch so on that note i'd like to request all of you to support journalists like neha dikshit neha you you know you should put up a a sena project i can guarantee you you'll have a lot of supporters of news laundry who will directly mm. pitch in and support you with your battle I mean you should consider it I mean it's up to you what you want to do I will definitely do that I I am just going to finish the what I'm working on and I am I am I look forward to doing my next investigative story for news laundry And and in that we'll separately and with full transparency to our uh, you know listeners we will say you know here's another lakh and a half that you need to top up so that she can also pursue her case Yeah mm. So um and there are enough Thank people so there are enough that. people out there who will contribute yes, trust yes. me while there are a lot of dicks out there there are a lot of good people too yes, yes i absolutely. can tell you we 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 know many of them because they keep us alive <laughs> and they make sure that news laundry can continue to report so thank you to our wonderful producer ivneet and thank you anil for recording this thank you neha for making the time and mehraj sir and raman sir please go thank back you. our reporters on the ground just make yes. sure that they come back i don't yes. want any heroes they should yeah. all be back in one yes, piece yes, yes. that's the first priority that's the first priority yes And until next week I leave you with this song I hope better sense prevails all round goodbye good luck Vaishnava jana ko laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.